good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Can we stand and give God a hand clap of praise tonight? Amen. Did you come to pour out your love on Jesus tonight? Did you come to magnify him? Amen. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. On this Wednesday night, let's just allow God to work and move in our midst. It may be a Wednesday night, maybe the middle of the week. But our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't matter if it's a Sunday or a Wednesday. If you've got a need here tonight, God is able to supply it. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
If it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? My life was nothing until He set me free. You want to change? He made. There's no more compromising. Cause he made a difference I don't live like I used to live He made a difference I don't give like I used to give Cause he made a difference He made a difference What a change 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 I said, I don't want like I used to want, cause he made a difference. I don't talk like I used to talk. He made a difference. I don't live like I used to live. He made a difference. I don't give like I used to give. He made a difference. He made a difference. He made a difference. One more time. I don't want like I used to want. Jesus. Thank you, God, for making a difference in our lives, God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for making a difference in our lives, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, listen up our hands for a moment. Begin to love the Lord this evening.
over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. Amen. He's on the throne in glory tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. He's on the throne and he's in control. And amen. He knows what I'm facing and he knows what you're facing. He knows what all of us are going through tonight. Hallelujah. And he wants to help us. Yes, he does. He certainly wants to help us through the trials and the battles and the valleys that we walk through. Amen. During life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, uh, we're going to pray tonight. We've got a couple of phone calls that have come in for prayer. Praise God. Brother Haley called in for prayer. Brother Drake also called in for prayer. Sister Morel wanted us to pray again for Sister Samantha, Sister Stephanie. Hallelujah. They need our continual prayer, prayers. Hallelujah. They are, uh, amen, both going through some things that they need prayer. Praise God. So we're going to pray for them tonight. They're going to put the names on the screen. Hallelujah. You know, when, when Jesus took those 39 stripes on his body, on his back, hallelujah, he shed his blood there. He did that for, the, for our healing. Hallelujah. I don't know if you realize that or not. I don't know if you think about it or not. Amen. He took those 39 stripes for our healing. Hallelujah. Amen. The healing of our bodies tonight. Praise God. So, hallelujah. I'm, I'm, just, glad to, I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of a church that believes in healing. I'm glad, I'm glad to be in a church that believes in miracles. I'm glad to be in a church that, hallelujah, that believes in praying for miracles and healings, hallelujah, to take place. And we, we've seen many of them through the years, praise God. We didn't always get what we asked for, no, hallelujah, but we've seen many healings and many miracles through the years. So, hallelujah, if you'll just uh, direct your attention to the screen. Hallelujah. If there's anybody in the house that wants prayer tonight, if you'd step up while we're praying, praise God, when we get through praying for all of these 
Others will step down there and pray for you tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. But let's plead the blood of Calvary tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Over these that are sick, God. Right now, tonight. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace tonight. God, with praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. On our hearts and on our lips tonight. God, praising you, God, for who you are, God, and what you mean to us. Hallelujah. Not just in the good times. Amen. But in the sad times and in our times of sicknesses, God, and in our times, Lord, when we're battling with diseases, God, in our body, Lord, you're still good. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight, God, and you still shed your blood for our healing tonight and our miracle tonight, God. So, Lord, we claim victory tonight, God, for Brother Haley. We, we claim victory tonight, God, for Brother Drake. Hallelujah. God, we ask you, God, for victory for Sister Stephanie. Sister Samantha tonight, God, hallelujah, amen, and every name that's listed on our screen here tonight, God, these folks have called our church for prayer, amen, so we are binding together here tonight in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, cursing their sicknesses, cursing their diseases tonight, God, hallelujah, asking you, God, to raise these folks up, God, tonight, out of their sick beds, out of their sicknesses, God, out of their diseases tonight, God, Hallelujah. God, we proclaim victory tonight. Hallelujah. Over every sickness and every disease tonight. We proclaim it tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise tonight. Thank you, God, for healing our bodies. Thank you, God, tonight for healing our minds, our hearts. Hallelujah. Tonight, in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, come to the altar. The
God one more hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God he has risen. Turn and give somebody a big thumbs up. It's good to see you tonight. Good to have you in the house of God. Thank you for coming to church on this Wednesday night. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good to see everybody here. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. So faithfully and dedicatedly. Amen. To Wednesday night church service. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's uh, just as important to come to church on Wednesday as it is Sunday, right? Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, I'm glad to be here tonight. Glad to have all of you here tonight. Uh, I want to remind everybody that next, not this coming Friday, but the following Friday, amen, Brother Jason Burris is going to be with here, uh, be with us here, amen, Friday night at uh, 7.30 and then uh, Saturday at 3 o'clock and then Sunday morning again, he's going to be teaching on the Godhead, hallelujah, Friday night and Saturday, we know for sure, we don't know what he's going to do Sunday, whether he's going to continue that or do something else, hallelujah, but I'm excited about him coming, I'm excited about him sharing the Word of God with us. Hallelujah, and helping us to understand, hallelujah, exactly who Jesus is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 9 and 6 tells us what, who he is. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to grasp it all and, amen, comprehend it all, and he's going to come and help us to do that. Praise God. Brother Rose is going to take the young folks back tonight, and Brother Clint's going to share the word of God in here with us tonight. Hallelujah. So we're excited, to, amen, to... Uh, uh, hear him tonight, praise God, and uh, on this Wednesday night church service, praise God. So, hallelujah, amen, tonight. Brother Clint, come on and obey God. Let's give Brother Clint a hand clap of appreciation tonight. Hallelujah. He does a whole lot around the church here, and we certainly appreciate everything that he does. Praise God. Hallelujah. Takes a load off of our shoulders. Hallelujah. So let's give him our time, give him our attention, lend him our heart tonight, let him preach to us. Praise God. Praise the Lord, church. Isn't the love of Jesus wonderful? I want to say that I'm thankful, Pastor Morell, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to address the congregation and stand behind this pulpit and to preach, teach. Pastor, I want to tell you that I feel a lot like what you did last Wednesday night. I think you probably came to this pulpit not knowing exactly how it was going to turn out. It's probably the way it happens most every time we come to the pulpit. We don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. We think we do. When Pastor Merrill asked me to preach, I'm going to be honest with you, I have a lot of thoughts that I store away. And just for when the Lord gives me that unction to go back and to study that, and so I had three or four things wrestling over in my mind and turning over in my mind to, to preach. But I still was a little uneasy about it, still kind of confused about some things. And I know that God is not the author of confusion. And so this morning in prayer, as soon as I got into my little closet, I said, God, I just... Uh, I don't know what to do tonight. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke into my spirit. And he said, just, just tell him about this right here. And so I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I, know I normally would, I would want to take hours and hours to go over this topic with you. And I hope to one day do that, Pastor Morrell. 
but I just want to talk about prayer. And I want to talk to you about the way that I have found the Lord has shown me through other ministers, through pastor, through the studying of the Word of God, of how to pray. And I don't know how this is going to turn out, but just know that my heart is, is heavy, my heart is burdened, and I am so excited about sharing this with you. Uh, I just, I've got a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can, but as slow as I need to. And so if you would, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Exodus. Hallelujah. Chapter 25. <clears throat> book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 8. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the word. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. The Lord is speaking to Moses. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall he make it. I want you to focus on verse 9. There's a couple of words in there that repeat themselves. Pattern. Pattern. And so I just want to, I just want to title this pray. Prayer. I can't even remember what I told him. Prayer. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> On Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He also gave him the law. He gave him all of this after their exodus from Egypt. And because God instituted the law, I believe he wanted to institute a little something extra in there in the form of how to obtain and maintain a relationship with him. And so I believe that the tabernacle in the wilderness is God's plan of relationship with his people. And there is no greater way for us as children of God to establish and maintain a relationship with the God of all gods and the King of all kings, unlike prayer. There is no substitute for prayer. There is nothing that you can do in lieu of prayer that would get you closer to God. Prayer is the absolute way to do it. And I know that there are some of you here that's been serving God a whole lot longer than I have. And you know and you found the, the, the pattern for you to tap into for prayer. But I just want to share a little bit tonight about the pattern that I feel like the Lord has dropped into my heart for the past few years of prayer. And now I, I, oh. Pastor, maybe to a fault tonight, but I'm going to be transparent. I told you the other night, I said, I thank you for your transparency. And now God's calling me on the carpet to be transparent too. So I'm going to be a little more transparent with you than what I normally would. But I'm going to take you through praying through the tabernacle. There's a lot of ground to cover, a little time that we have to cover it. But I feel like if you could just grab a hold of this, it will change you. It will rearrange your situations. It will make to where prayer is not just some sort of thing that you have to do or some, some service that you have to do, but it will make it to where it's something that you want to do. It'll make it to where you want to set your alarm clock a little early in the morning and get up. 
and pray and to seek the face of God. I'm telling you these past few months that I have tried my best to dedicate myself to praying through the tabernacle has just changed my life. And so that picture right there on the screen, you see that is the tabernacle in the wilderness. And you see the purple there. That is the gate of the tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to go over all of the dimensions. I'll mention some of it, but I just want to, to share a little, little staples with you, maybe to whet your appetite, so to speak, to maybe find out more and learn more about this. Any Israelite that needed to avail themselves at the altar or at the tabernacle would have to come through the gate. They would bring their sacrifice, whether it was a trespass offering, a sin offering, a peace offering, whatever it was. They would bring their sacrifice to the gate, and they would kill. They, the person, would kill that sacrifice. I've always heard that the priest would do it, but no. That person that brought that animal, the one who is trying to get their sins atoned, is the one that killed the sacrifice. And so... At the very onset of prayer, the Bible says in Psalms 100, what does it say? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And along this way, I, like I said, I'm going to be transparent. This right here is where, of course, you enter into thanksgiving and you enter into praise unto God. You thank him for everything that comes to your mind. You praise him for everything that comes to your mind. Sometimes this prayer will take a little bit of time. Sometimes it'll stretch out. It just depends on how you're feeling and how the Spirit's flowing. And so the first thing you do is enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I get up in the morning and I say, God, I thank you for waking me up. I thank you for giving me strength to face this day. I thank you for giving me health, life, and, Lord, I just appreciate everything that you've done for me to bring me to this moment. Thank you for the burden of prayer. And I just go through whatever comes to my mind. Thank you. And then I praise him and I say, God, I praise you because you have triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. I praise you because you give us the victory through your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I praise him. I've got some scriptures that I read that I pray in praise to him. Because he is worthy to be praised. And so I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I stay there for a little bit of time. And then I go on in. Now the first piece of furniture that an Israelite would come to would be the brazen altar. If you would put up the outer court picture that I have there. The first piece of furniture is the brazen altar. And, of course, that is where the sacrifice was laid. That is the place of death. That is a place of sacrifice. That is a place of bloodshed. That is not a pretty place to be. It's a place where the sacrifice has to be made. And before you can get into the Holy of Holies, before you can even enter into the presence of God, you've got to take care of a sin situation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Word says. And so we have to avail ourselves at this altar. It is a symbol of Jesus dying on the cross. It is the death 
of our Savior at this brazen altar, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And so, as Paul said, I die daily. And as he said, I beseech ye, brethren, in Romans 12 and 1, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I take this old stinking rotten flesh, Brother Barfield, and I lay it upon the altar. Hallelujah. I know the things that I battle, and I know the things that I face, and I fight, and I lay it on the altar. I know sometimes I can be selfish. Amen, Sister Tanya. I know sometimes that I can be overbearing. Sometimes I want it my way sometimes when it shouldn't be my way. God, forgive me for that. I lay myself down, and just as that lamb was cut open and the blood issued forth, I know it's a gruesome sight. I say, God, open me up. Let the issues in my heart flow out, God. I don't want anything to be left inside of me that's against your word or that would bring enmity between you and me. Sin separates. We know that to be a fact. God, I don't want to be separated from you. I want to be close. I want to be close, God. Take it out of me. I ask God to take the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. I ask him to take that out of me. I go to the book of Romans chapter 1 there about verse 28 where it talks about inventors of evil things and idolatry and all of those things that it talks about. God, I pray that those things not even come into my heart. Hallelujah. I go to Galatians chapter 5 around verse 19 where it talks about enmity and where it talks about maliciousness and where it talks about envy, strife, seditions, heresies and all of those things that are the works of the flesh and I say God please don't let them things take resident in my heart God I don't want even them things to even come close to being in my heart and, and I tell you this and the inauguration sacrifice at the tabernacle of the, in the wilderness they laid that sacrifice on the altar God sent fire down from heaven Consume the sacrifice, showing the people that he accepted this sacrifice. And so I say, God, don't ever let me allow this fire to go out because he commanded them. You cannot let this fire go out. It was started by me, and it needs to be continue. And so I pray, God, let the fire of the Holy Ghost consume the things in my heart that's not like you. I pray those things in Galatians 5 and in Romans chapter 1. I pray, God, burn them things out of me. Burn them out of me, oh God. I don't even want them things even close to me. Like the chaff, God, the things that are not even worth having in my heart, burn it out of me, God. Uh, I don't want to be separated from him. I want to be close to him. And so I lay myself down, Pastor Morell. And I hope this is okay. <laughs> I lay myself down and I ask God, oh God, if I've done anything to hurt somebody, please let me know. God, if I've spoken ill to somebody, please let me know. God, I want to be right. Oh God, I don't want to be lost. I want to be right. I don't want sin in my heart. I crucify this flesh. I mortify the deeds of this body. Hallelujah. And you can stay there as long as you need to. Some folks probably need to stay there a little longer than others. Maybe I don't know.
But however long it takes, you stay there. And when you move from there, you go to the brazen laver of water. You see the step right there, that container of water in the middle. Now, this is where the high priest would come and he would wash his hands and wash his feet. Some people say and some theologians say that they would wash from head to toe, but the word says that they would wash their hands and their feet. And just after they come and perform their sacrifice, their hands probably has blood on them. Their feet has the earth, probably mud from the blood, and it's just not a pleasant sight. And so once you've taken care of all of that unpleasantries and that sin, then you go to the altar or to the brazen laver and you wash. You wash. You wash your hands. You wash your feet. And the Bible says that we are washed by the word. And so here is where you take your Bible and you open your Bible up and you say, God, I've come to the brazen labor this morning and I ask you, would you wash me? God, would you wash me with your word? I want to be clean, God. I want to be able to lift up holy hands a right and have a right spirit, God. Give me clean hands, a pure heart, God. Oh. And I, and I take that word. And sometimes I'll take the, the yearly approach and I'll read several. Sometimes if, if things are, are compact and I'm trying to get this in and in and, and kind of a hurry, I'll read one chapter or, or some, I'll go to Psalms, something that may be familiar, and I'll just, God, I know I've read this before, but let me just wash in it again. Hallelujah. And so when that word washes you, you just read. You read and you read and you pray. You come across something in the word that hits you. You say, oh, God, wash me. Wash me with that right there, God. I know that I'm, I'm, I need some help right there. God, wash me right there. God, wash me. Thank you. And you just keep going until you feel, until you feel the cleansing power, the washing of the word in your life. Oh. And I'm going to tell you what. It's amazing. Whenever you purpose to put the word inside of you and you ask God to wash you with the word because what you wind up doing is you wind up going crazy. And uh, crazy in a good way. And I'll tell it to you like this. We used to sing a song years and years ago, all day long, I've been with Jesus. All day long, my lips have uttered praise. You know, and I was always troubled with that song. I felt like I couldn't sing it because I don't feel like I've been with Jesus all day long. Situations and circumstances come up, and it makes you feel like I am, uh, Jesus is probably nowhere to be found right here. But I have found. I found a way that you can be with Jesus and stay with Jesus all day long. And that's let him wash you with the word. Because I'm going to tell you, I go cra I'm going crazy. I've been on a job site while, where they're doing roofs. And you'll be proud of me here in a minute. They peel off the, the ice and water shield. And I'm learning. They peel that sticky. That's ice and water shield, right? Anyway, they pull that sticky part off and that, that white... Uh, you know how it is. They, just, I don't. Okay, let me go for it. Piece of paper, whatever that is. I looked up and it was kind of windy, and I looked up 
And I saw this white piece of paper just floating in the wind, and it was coming down. And I was like, oh, God, just as the mantle of Elijah fell on Elisha. I don't even know where that came from, but I just saw it, and I was like, God, I want, the man I want your mantle to fall on me. And I don't even know where that came from. I was parked in the shade. I need to get in the shade. I was trying to find some shade, and I was over there by probably just a storm drain, but it sounded like a, a brook of water. And I said, as the deer panteth after the water, so my soul pants after you. I'm going crazy, church. <laughs> I got, there's finally a cloud comes over, and I say, thank you, God, for the shade just like you did for the children of Israel. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And without me even thinking about it, without me even trying to labor, it just happens and it just comes out of me. And so I can say all day long, I've been with Jesus because I've allowed him to wash me in his word. Now, when the high priest would look into that brazen labor, there was two ways that they could see their reflection. One was in the, the reflection of the, the material in which the laver was made itself, and that is of brass. It was polished brass made from the looking glasses or the mirrors of the women of those days. And so when the priest would look over, he would see his reflection back to, at him in that brass and in that bronze. And brass and bronze in the Bible is, is indicative of judgment. And so... When you look into the word of God, I say, God, judge me. Judge me by this word. Judge me by this book. God, there's many people, I'm sure, in this world that want to judge me, that want to make, that want to try to come up with solutions for my problems, God, but I need, I need you to judge me. God, you know where I'm at. Judge me by your word. Hallelujah. God, judge me by your word. I want to line up with this word. I want to be judged by this word because we are. We're judged by every word in this book. And so, God, show me where I lack. Judge me with your word, precious God. And they would look in and they would see the reflection in the water itself. And so once you see your reflection in judgment of what you need to work on, then you look into that water after that blood has gone into it and after you've washed you look into that water and you see a reflection of what you could be and so God I say when I open this word and when I wash my, that by this word show me show me your plans for me show me what you want from me show me oh God I need you I need you to show me I know that when you look into a natural mirror, you know where if you need to brush your well, you, you know you need to brush your teeth before you look in the mirror, but you see what hair needs to be combed or placed, or I get to the point now to where I have to blow dry my hair to where it'll kind of get a little dry and cover up this spot back here a little bit better, camouflage that area back there. But I look into a natural mirror and I and I see what needs to be changed, what needs to be altered for me to be presentable. And when I go into public, and, and so the same principle applies in the Word of God. Show me what needs working. Show me what I need to work on, God. Wash me with your Word. Wash me. And then the high priest, after he got washed and he got clean. Oh, by the way, if you 
run out of something or you don't know exactly where to go whenever you're at the brazen laver, you can go to Psalms 51. And it talks about David praying this long prayer, creating me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Oh, it just, it's, oh, it's an amazing chapter to read if you need to feel the cleansing power of the Holy Ghost. And so he would leave from there and he would approach the holy place. You see, the priest in that picture there is approaching the holy place. But before he would get to that point, he had certain garments that he would put on. He would put on his miter. He would put on his ephod. He already had a linen garment on, but he would put on a robe. He would put on the urim, urim and the thummim. He would put on the stones on his, on his shoulders. And on the bottom of his robe, there was a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell in consecutive order all the way around. All the way around the bottom of the hymn. Uh, and that pomegranate was to resemble the fruit, the, the fruitfulness of God's people. That bell was there for a purpose so that they could hear the priest go in and come out. That's also how they knew if God accepted the sacrifice. When the high priest would go in, if they didn't hear the bells jingle anymore, they know God killed him. And so that the, the bell symbolizes, the bells symbolizes the gift of the Spirit. You go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it talks about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom and discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. It talks about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom and discerning of spirits. And I think I just said that. And it talks about the gifts of healing, the working of miracles and faith. And I say, God, oh, I want to operate in the gifts of the spirit today. My God, whatever gift, you know, Paul said to contend or, or uh, won't receive that best gift, whatever the best gift is for that moment. God, if I get into a situation today, let me operate in the gift of the Spirit, whatever that may be. God, I just want to be right with you. I want to help someone today. God, help me to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But also, that pomegranate resembles the fruit of the Spirit. It's amazing how God's word works. There are nine main gifts of the Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12, and there are nine fruits of the Spirit spoken of in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, and long-suffering. God, I want to operate in the fruit of the Spirit today. I really believe this, Pastor. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I do believe this. God will use you more frequently, more strongly, more mightily in the gifts of the Spirit if you attempt to possess the fruit of the Spirit. It's hard to work through someone who is, who is rude. It's hard to work through someone who is not gentle or who is not long-suffering or, or who, is, who does not show love. But when you operate in the fruit of the Spirit, you can be used in the gift of the Spirit. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, it talks about a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And he shall bear his fruit in his season. 
and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There's a certain season in your life during your day when you may need one of the gifts of the Spirit over the other, or you may need one of the fruit of the Spirit over the other. There may be a, an instance in your situation in your life where you need to show more love than you do of patience or long-suffering or gentleness or goodness or any of the others. And so I pray, God, whatever fruit I need to bear at that moment, God, I pray that you would let that bud out on my tree. God, help me to be what you need me to be. Help me to exemplify, not just possess these fruits and these gifts, but to, Lord, show other people. Let them see it. Let them feel it. Not because of me, not because of anything I've done, God, but let them see you in me. Let me be as transparent or translucent as possible. I just want when people to see me, when they look at me, whenever they hear me, I want them to hear and see you. I want to be used. Urim and Thummim, we know what that is. The 12 stones that represented the, on the breastplate of the high priest that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Urim stands for truth or is truth. Some of them is light. God, help me to walk in truth today. Help me to walk in light today. High priest also had stones on, his, on their shoulders, and that represented the burden that they carried for their fellow man. And so at this point in time, you're getting ready in your prayer to represent God to man and to represent man to God. And so you have to pray. You need to pray, God, I just... I want you to use me, and I want you to have your way through me, God. Whatever I need to do to help someone, God, whatever prayer I need to pray, whatever intercession I need to do, God, show it to me. Hallelujah. And then when the priest get, got ready to go into the holy place, now, mind you, this outer court is out in the open, lit by natural light during the day, the sun by day and the moon by night. The glow of the fire from God that descended at night, the shade of the cloud by day. But it was all natural. There was talking going on out there. There was just all kinds of things going on out in the outer court. But he's approaching the holy place. And right before he gets to where he draws back the curtain of the door of the holy place, he sees that there are five pillars that hold up this door. And Jesus said, I am the door. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We have to go through Jesus. Just as the high priest had to go through this door to get into the holy place, we have to go through Jesus. And so, Pastor, you hit all over it tonight. There's one place in Scripture, there may be more, but there's one prominent place in Scripture that meets the criteria here. Where Jesus is the door, he holds up everything. And these five pillars, Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
right before you get ready to go into the holy place, you stop by these posts and you reflect on Jesus. You go to this first post and you, he's wonderful. And you just begin to thank God of how wonderful he is to you. You just begin to just pour out your love for him because he's been so good to you. He's been so wonderful. Now is the moment where you can tell God, I thank you. And so I, and I hate to, I'm just trying to be transparent here. I just want to tell you what I do because I feel like the Lord told me just to show you what I do. Show them this. And so I say, Jesus, there are many wonders in this world, ancient wonders of the world. Things that men have created that are just awe-inspiring, but nothing is as wonderful as you are. You have been so good to me. The Grand Canyon in all of its majesty is not as wonderful as you. Any of the beauty that, this, that man can create is nothing compared to you. Jesus, I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you for healing my body. Oh, Jesus, you want I thank you for the spiritual blessings that you've given me. I thank you for the church that I go to. I thank you for my pastor. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for Sister Morrell standing by his side so faithfully all these years. I thank you for his family. <laughs> Don't ever forget to pray for your pastor's family. And so I go down the list. I just start. I start with Brian and I get Jamie and not literally. Go to the girls and then, well, no, I start with April because you're oldest. That's how I remember. And I just go down. Everybody associated with you. Everybody associated with you. Everybody associated with Cody. I just, grandkids, whoever. I just, Brother Pee Wee, Sister I, I, whoever I can come up with, whoever comes to my mind, God, I thank you for them. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my children. And not only do I thank him for them, but I thank him of what he does through them. I thank him, Sister Tanya, I love you. I thank him that I have a godly wife that loves holiness. I thank him that he's blessed me with a wife that doesn't mind giving herself in the house of God. And I thank God for my children. I thank you, God, for giving a burden for the house of God to my children for talents and abilities and all of that. And I Thank you, God, for the material blessings that you've blessed me with. I thank you for my home. I thank you for my vehicles. I thank you for my, my job. And it hit me this morning when I was praying, God, I remember a time when I had no money in the bank. We were married, child on the way, had no money in the bank. We didn't know what we were going to do. And then I think to today, Pastor, as you said the other day, I'm not rich, but I've got way more than what I ever thought I would have. He's blessed me so much. And I just begin to thank him for how wonderful he is to me and how he's blessed me so greatly. He's been so good. And then I go to the next post of counselor. Pastor, what time is it? Oh, I go to counselor. And I pray, God, counsel me. Counsel me today. 
Right here is where you can pray. If you've got a situation that you need to face, a conversation that you need to have, anything that you may be dreading that day, God, counsel me. Counsel me, oh God, I pray. I pray God counsel me in the way that I should go today. I pray that God would counsel me in the literal, physical direction that I go. God, tell me what road to take to avoid this accident. Or tell me what restaurant that I need to get. Just, just lay it upon my heart. God, tell me who I need to talk to. Whatever conversation I have today, counsel me. Help me to say the right thing. Help me to not say what I want to say sometimes. Counsel me in that. Just, I need your counsel. The Bible says there are many voices in the land. And none are without significance. And the Bible also says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so I know, I pray God, I know that there are many, many voices in the land today. And none are without significance. There's people that want to counsel me. There's the enemy that wants to counsel me. This world wants to counsel me. The ungodly wants to counsel me. I want to counsel me. God, I don't want any of their counsel. I want your counsel. He is the chief counselor. And I pray, God, if it's not in this book, oh, I don't want to adhere to it. God, counsel me according to the scripture. Oh, I pray that God would counsel me. Don't let me listen to anything, God, that would draw me away from you. God, don't let me listen to the voices, the loud voices of the, the sparkly chandeliers in the churches. And don't let me listen to the, let me see behind the facade of the bright smile and the glitz and the glamour that people call Christianity today. Let me see beyond that. And if it's not in this book, God, I don't want it. I don't want it. These are the words of life. Nothing else. If it's not in here, God counsel me through Pastor Morrell. I pray that God would counsel my family. I pray that God would counsel Pastor Morrell, Sister Morrell on the direction they need to go in leading and guiding this church. I pray that God would counsel our youth department, our music department, our Sunday school department. I pray that God would just counsel all of us. I pray that God would counsel husbands and wives and counsel children, God, and the relationship between the, the children and the, and the husband or the mother and the father. Any other familial tie, God, counsel in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I pray that God would counsel every man and woman that operates a business in this church. I pray that God would counsel you on the direction that you need to go. Anyone that manages or anyone that has a say-so in their place, I pray that God would counsel you. I pray that God would strengthen you to make the tough decisions. And I just pray God's counsel. Hallelujah. And you go to the next post. He is the mighty God. There's nothing and no one mightier than he is. And I tell you, God, you are great. You are greatly to be praised. 
There is no one like you. You are mighty. You are omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. There is nothing that can stand against you. No one parallels you. You are magnificent and you are mighty. There's no sea that you can't split. <laughs> There's no sin that you can't eradicate. There's no disease that cannot be healed. God, you are mighty. Thank you for being mighty in my life. And you know, there's a tenet in our doctrines that is called the mighty God in Christ. And so at this post, I pray, and this is a, where you can pray, God, I come against anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. I pray against any religion, any preacher, Anybody that tries to, to exalt themselves more and above the knowledge of Christ. I come against Islam. I come against Trinitarianism. I come against atheism, Satanism, Buddhism, Baha'i movement. I come against Black Lives Matter. I come against this craziness coming out of Washington. I prayed this morning, God, if it comes across the desk of a senator or a congressman, into the desk of Biden or whatever her name is, Kamala. Whatever happens, God, if it's not washed in this word, kill it. I come against the doctrine of abortion. I come against this doctrine of gender fluidity that people don't even know what they are. I come against that. And I pray, God, if there's anybody that has been touched by this, if their heart is blackened or hardened by the traditions of man or doctrines of devils or false doctrine, God, I pray that you would break that. Break that stony heart. Give them a heart of flesh that's easily touched, moved, and motivated by the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. God, be mighty in their life. Hallelujah. Just as you've been mighty in mine, God, be mighty in theirs. Hallelujah. Everlasting Father is the next one. Whew. And this is where you can really, really start getting down to some business right here. He is the everlasting Father. He is a father to the fatherless. And so here is your opportunity to pray for the people. I'm so thankful that I still have my father with me, my earthly father. But I know that there's some of you that don't have your father anymore. And I know that leaves a void and leaves a hurt and a pain. And so I pray for you. I pray for those who don't have a good father. You know what I'm saying. I pray, God, if there's someone that it does not have the love of the father, whether it's through death, divorce, uh, disengagement, or distraction, God, I pray for them. I pray that you would strengthen them and help them to deal, help them to cope. God, give them the strength that they be their father. Help them, God. I pray for all the single parents that are raising children. Hallelujah. I pray for those, and I struggle with knowing how to say this and what to say, but all I can say it is this. I pray for those who what I would consider to be less fortunate than I am. I pray for those who, whose finances may not be just, just right there, who may 
I pray, God, give them strength. Give them the finances that they need. God, if there's somebody bound in a wheelchair, God, raise them up. God, if there's somebody that's struggling, I pray for Sister Stephanie. I pray for Sister Samantha. I pray for some of the ones that we pray for on Sundays. Anybody that I can think of that's plagued with a situation, I pray for them. This is a place that you can pray for those who are incarcerated. Those who have committed crime, no doubt. Hmm. They need the gospel. And so I pray that for all the prison ministries, go in and help them. I pray for those people who battle in their mind, who are institutionalized. I pray for people who battle addiction. I pray for people who battle anxiety. I pray for people who battle all of those situations. And I pray, God, you see that individual that's standing there on that bridge ready to take the leap into the abyss of nothingness. God, catch them. God, you see that person sitting there with that bottle of pills in their hand ready to end it all. God, knock it out of their hand. God, you see that person with their finger on the trigger ready to end it all. God, stop them. God, you know, you know what's going on. God, help them. God, touch them. Those people who struggle in their mind and who, who face the battles in their mind, who think that they're not good enough or they struggle with self-esteem issues, God, help them. Be their father. And he is the prince of peace, the last post. I pray for peace. I pray for peace in my home between me and my wife. I pray for peace between us and our kids. I pray for peace between them. I can see somewhat of a difference. I pray for peace in this church. I pray for peace in Pastor Sister Morell's family. I pray for peace in Israel. I pray for peace. That's what the Word says. Pray for Israel. I pray for the peace of Israel. I pray for the peace of America. And I say, God, with Israel and with America, I pray that you would give peace in her borders, and I pray that you would give peace in the inhabitants that are in her, and I pray, God, that if there be any enemy that stands up foreign or domestic that tries to hinder that peace, that you would take care of them, that you would thwart their efforts, that you would keep them, confuse them, and confound them. We need peace. we got to have peace. God, give me peace. There's only one person that I know of that's ever been able to step out of the bow of a boat in the midst of a storm and speak peace to the tumultuous wind and waves, and that is Jesus. And there's only one person that I know of. Well, I take that back. Two people that I know of that's ever walked on the water in the midst of a storm. That's Jesus and Peter. And so I pray, God, I pray that you would step out of the bow of someone's boat and speak peace to the wind and waves. Speak peace to their situation. God, help them. And Lord, if it's your will that they go through this, I pray, that, like Peter, that you would help them walk on the stormy waves. Give them peace inside. Peace to walk on top of the waves. Just bring peace. Hallelujah. And then we go into the holy place. Woo. 
And in this holy place, if you would put that scripture up or that picture up, you go through that door there. And when you first come to the first piece of furniture that you come to, there on the left is the golden candlestick. Hallelujah. Now imagine this. You just come from the outside. There's clamor. There's all kinds of things going on outside. There's animals hollering because they're being cut. There's, there's people talking. There's all kinds of things going on out there. <laughs> and then you come into a place where you're tucked away with God. You've shut out the outside. You can no longer hear the voices of the outside. You can no longer see the natural light that shines, but what you are looking at now is the, the grandeur of the gold of the holy place with the flickering light of the candlestick dancing against and saturating the holy place with the beams of the light. Oh, and you go to that candlestick and you say, Jesus, you are the light of the world. Hallelujah. God, you're the light that shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. God, you are the light of this world. Hallelujah. And God, you declared that I am the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. God, just as that candlestick shines forth the light, God, let me shine forth your power, your glory. God, let me shine forth. The Bible says, Jesus speaking said that you ought to show your good works. Let your light show, so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God, let the light of the Holy Ghost shine through me. That priest would go into that, that holy place and he would go two times a day to this particular candlestick and he would trim the, the wick of the candlestick and he would make sure that there would be a continual fire burning all night, burning all day. Never let this fire go out, the Word says. And so he goes in there and he may take the wick and he may trim off a little bit here just to make sure that it's able to soak up the oil that's in the bowl there. And so I pray, God, if there be anything that needs to be cut away from my heart that hinders, that blocks the light shining, God, I pray. I pray that you'd cut it off of me. God, let me trim the wicks, God, whatever it is, Lord, that hinders me. What it, I don't want to get in the way of your light shining. And of course... The light symbolizes the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, let your Holy Ghost shine through me. Let your Holy Ghost shine through the people of Higher Praise Tabernacle. I pray that this place would shine as people pass up and down 162. I pray that there would be a beacon of light to shine from this place, to draw them to us. I, I just I pray for the Holy Ghost to just shine through each and every one of us. I pray for his holy light to radiate through us, through our beings. I pray, oh, I pray, Pastor Morrell, I pray for you, that you would be a light to this world, that you would be a light to this congregation. I just, just pray, God. And then you know the oil that fueled that fire was the pure olive oil beaten and pressed. And so the olive oil is indicative of the anointing. God, I pray, anoint me today. God, anoint me to do whatever it is that you need me to do. 
I pray that God would anoint Pastor Morrell to lead this church, Sister Morrell to lead. I pray that God would anoint, let your anointing flow in our services. Let your anointing flow among every musician, every singer, every song. Let your anointing flow through the audiovisual team. God, let your anointing flow through the congregation. And just, Lord, let it flow. Let it flow. Let your Holy Ghost and your anointing flow. And then directly across is the table of showbread where they would place 12 loaves of bread. And the Kohathites would bake this bread and they would bring it into the tabernacle, into the holy place on the Sabbath. And tradition says that it would miraculously stay fresh all during the week. And then whenever they came to change it, the high priest were able to eat the bread. And then they would have fresh bread always in the holy place. And of course, you know, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I pray, God, let your bread feed me, oh God. Let your word feed me. And this is another place where you get out your word. But this is a place where you not only get out just your word and you read it, but you get out those scriptures that mean something to you. I think if I'm not mistaken, Brother Fletcher and Sister Fletcher, I think that they've got a a certain book or a Bible where they put things in there that God's done for them. Get that out. In every scripture that comes to your mind, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath, a lender, not the borrower. God, let your word, you pray the promises of God. You claim the promises of God because he is the bread of life. Hallelujah. And not only that, but you pray for the table. The table is what holds the bread. And so that's your opportunity to pray for every minister. I pray for Pastor Morrell. I pray, Pastor, I pray for you. And I know that might not mean much, but I pray for you every day. I pray, Sister Morrell, I pray for you every day. I pray for anyone that's a minister, Brother Barfield, I pray for his ministry. I pray that God would touch those homeless people out there through you and through your efforts. I pray for everybody that teaches a Sunday school lesson. I pray for everybody that tries to teach a home Bible study lesson. I pray for everybody that handles the word. I pray for missionaries. I pray for evangelists. I pray for home missionaries. Anybody that I can think of, I pray for. God, help them. Help them to carry your word. Help them to be strengthened by the power of your word. That man and that family that left a good job to go to some place where it has no church and has little population, but they're trying to carve out a work for you, God help them. Feed them, strengthen them. And then you move from there just before the veil and you go to the altar of incense. And that altar of incense is special. And I will hurry. The incense was made of resin. Called, there was one called Stacta, Annika, Galbanum, and Frankincense. Stacta was come from the myrrh tree. They got that resin by beating it, and it would come out. Annika was extracted from the murex snail 
from the bottom of the Red Sea, deep down into the bottom of the Red Sea. Galbanum was, there was a lot of plants that had galbanum, but it was bitter. And frankincense was in abundance too. Frankincense was in abundance too. And it was found in multiple places around the area. And so what that means at this altar of incense, it's indicative and symbolic of your prayer, your intercession, your worship to God. We entered into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. This is where we worship. We take our bitterness. We take those things that hurt us. We take every opportunity or every time when someone beat us mentally, when it beat us down, this world beats us down sometimes. We take all of our hurts, our pains, and everything that makes us us, even though it's ugly, and even though sometimes it's not good, we take all of that, all of our disappointments, our shame, whatever it is, and we take it to this altar. And we mix that together, and it creates a sweet savor unto the Lord. He wants you to bring it. He wants your hurt. He wants your pain. He wants your bitterness. He wants the good things. He wants the bad things. He wants it all. And so you bring it, and you create worship unto him. God, I know I've done much, but I love you, and I appreciate you. You have touched my life, and you tell him those, those intimate things that just you and him have. You worship him. You love him. And then you come just beyond that is the veil. There are four posts that hold up the veil. The veil is what separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And there are four posts that hold up the veil. Again, Jesus said, I am the door. There are four posts that hold up the, the door. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so you just kind of go through there. Anything that you can think of that God has spoken to you or helped you in the Gospels, you thank him for it. I heard one preacher say, you may be the only one on, in your neighborhood thanking God for healing blind Barnabas, but you thank him for it. You may be the only one thanking him for all the, the words that he spoke from the, from the Mount of Olives or from a boat but you thank him for every word he was, that he's spoken. Whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind, you thank him for it. If there's been something that's helped you through tough times, you thank him for it. You thank him for Calvary. You thank him for his blood. Anything that comes to mind. And the Bible says that his flesh, Jesus' flesh, is the veil. And so... Obviously, the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom at his death, unleashing and giving the opportunity for us to go into the Holy of Holies. And inside this Holy of Holies, now, before you go, after you go to the altar of incense, you take off all of those priestly garments. You get rid of the Urim and the Thummim and all of that thing that makes it look beautiful. You take all of the, the, the garments of service off. And you're just back down to your 
linen robe. And that is, God, I put away and I put aside every accolade that I ever received. I put away all of my talents, all of my abilities, whatever, God, I put all of that away. Everything that sometimes, maybe unconsciously, I put on display for people to see, I take that away. I strip myself down to where Jesus is just me. It's just me. I am what I am, God, and here I am, and here I come. I come into your presence, just me. I can't bring anybody with me. I don't. Nothing impresses God. My, how I can sing or how I can preach or how I can bore someone on a Wednesday night talking about this, it doesn't impress him. What impresses him is just the contrite spirit and a heart, soft heart. And so I pull that curtain back and I go into the Holy of Holies. And I'm automatically, I thank God for his mercy. Because the first thing you encounter or the only thing in there is the Ark of the Covenant. But the mercy is what you see. I thank God for his mercy. I thank him for his grace. I thank him for his blood. I thank him for everything that he has done at Calvary. The finished work that he completed at Calvary that works through me. I thank him for mercy. And underneath that mercy seat. By the way, this is where God told Moses, I'll meet with you. Underneath that, the lid of that Ark was three items, the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, the pot of man, golden pot of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Again, that word, I say, God, don't ever let me get away from your precepts and your word. Oh, God, let me take your word through your mercy and let it be applied to my life, God. Whatever it is that pricks my heart, whatever it is that, that steps on my toes, whatever it is, God, I need you. God, don't ever let me go out of your mercy. Don't ever let me take those precepts in your word and just throw them to the side, God, but let me adhere them to my life. My life to your word, not your word to my life. Hallelujah. And I'm almost done. We don't need any music or anything like that. This is a different kind of a night. If you want to, that's okay. But I'm trying to hurry. The next thing, golden pot of manna, that symbolizes provision. That They wanted that to be put into the ark to where it would show, the, and it would commemorate him feeding them the manna. And we've heard it many times. We are the manna church. Hallelujah. And by this time, in prayer... Brother Blake, you and I talked about this not too long ago. By this time in prayer, I've done forgotten about things that I need. I generally don't even pray for things that I need because I, I'm so focused on everybody else's needs. I mean, I just say, God, I know that you can provide my needs because there's needs that I have I don't even know about. And so, God, you can provide all of my need according to your riches and glory. And so, God, I claim your provisions today. Whatever it faces my day, God, I claim it. And then, oh boy, then, you take Aaron's rod that budded, that symbolizes authority. I grab a hold. I don't have it physically. But I'm in, in my closet. I'm, I got that thing in my hand. I may even grab a hanger every once in a while and pretend like I got it in my hand. I say, God, I take Aaron's rod that budded and threw the apostolic authority that you have given me by the infilling me with the Holy Ghost, 
I take authority over sickness, over death. I take authority over problems, pain, situation. I take authority. This is right here is where you can take authority over sickness in your body, over your finances. You can take authority and you can claim the victory over every devil in hell that tries to hinder you or hurt you or torment you or strangle you in the middle of the night, whatever it may be. You, you claim it. You take that authority. You've been given dominion. You've been given power. And so you take it, you claim it, and you use it against your enemy, against your flesh, against whatever comes against you. You take that authority, and you just keep going, however long it takes, whatever you need. And then, as you back away from the Ark of the Covenant, you look up, and the tapestry that hangs is embroidered with angels. And there are even two angels on the lid of the ark looking at the mercy seat. And so you start commissioning angels. God, send this angel. God, send an angel to my mom. Send an angel to my brother. That family member, that friend that's not serving you. God, I pray that you'd send an angel to wake them up in the middle of the night. God, send your angel before me today as I travel. Send your angel before my family. And you know how it goes. Now, the last thing. As you turn around and the priest, the high priest would walk out of the holy place or the holy of holies and out of the holy place. He had to go out the same way he came in. And so when he went out and he pulled back that curtain, that, that door, and went back into the outer court, he was just inundated with the sunlight. He was inundated with the brightness. Could you imagine? It's like sometimes in Monday night prayer when Sister Bertha just has no mercy and she just flips all the lights back on instead of helping us like she did Monday night. And we're all looking around here like this, you know. That's okay. I did that on purpose. Next time, number two. But the most amazing thing is that whenever you end this prayer and the high priest comes out and he pulls back that curtain, the sun shines on him, he's facing east. And so as we end this prayer, we walk out and we're like, God, I'm looking forward to the day that you split that eastern sky. God, I'm looking forward to the day when I might just be walking and my feet catches air and I just keep going and keep going. I'm looking forward to that day where there's a great reunion in the heavens, God. Let me live my life today as if it's my last. Let me live my life every moment today as if the trumpet will sound at any moment. God, I give myself to you in that fashion. Lord, you take me, use me, mold me, but I'm looking forward to your coming. And whenever you boldly declare that and all the other things that you've done and all of the other promises that you've claimed, you walk out of this prayer meeting with God, renewed, refreshed, ready to face and conquer your day. Now, Pastor, I don't know how you want to I said, this is weird. This is it. I'm closing, closing. I'm 
going to let you in a little secret. You know, the Bible says that when you pray, you don't stand in a corner and you don't proclaim. You know, you know, these big words. I, I use big words, and I'm sorry. But that's just my vocabulary. I'm not trying to impress anybody. That's just what I say, and I'm sorry. That's me. And I know that prayer is such an important thing, such a sacred thing, that a lot of times we don't want to talk about it with other people. How much we pray, etc. But I can just tell you this to help you out and just to try to give you context as to what I'm talking about. There are times when I come to Monday night prayer meeting and I pray this whole tabernacle prayer in that hour or in that 45 minutes. It's just sped along. There are times like this morning I got up early this morning and I prayed and I got to a certain part and I, I got to go. And so I finished the rest going down the road. That's the beauty about this. You can pray this anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So I can tell you without, Pastor, please correct me if I'm wrong. You rebuke me if you need to. I don't mean, I'm not saying this in any kind of boastful manner. I've prayed through the tabernacle and it's taken me an hour. I've prayed through the tabernacle and it's taken me four hours. Whenever you have a moment where you can just take, you get up early and you have all the time in the world, there's no telling how long this prayer can take you. You can abbreviate it if you'd like, and, and sometimes I need to, and sometimes I do. But there was one Saturday morning that I woke up, and I got into my closet, and I got to praying at about 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was, I didn't leave that place. My phone stays outside, and I walked out right around 10 o'clock, and I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't realize I'd been in there that long. And I'm not trying to say, ooh, I'm so spiritual and so special. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you've struggled with knowing how to pray or you feel like your prayer has been inadequate or you feel like you've not prayed, you don't know how to pray long enough, you can utilize this. And you can watch your experience in God soar to higher heights and deeper depths so that whenever you look and you see wind blowing a piece of paper, you're like, God, let it fall on me. And so, let's stand, I guess, Pastor. I'm, can we just, Pastor Morell, do you mind if, if I end this with prayer? Do you mind? And so I want everyone, if you would, just to raise your hands. And I pray, and, and I feel, I know this has been different and this has been weird. But I just, I'm going to pray right now that God would give you this and God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost and the authority of the Holy Ghost God I know that you you put this on my heart so strongly this morning God I pray that you would bless these people with revelation I pray that you would bless them with impartation today God in the name of Jesus let them take a hold of this let them apply this to their lives God let them just utilize this to soar them to higher heights to deeper depths, God, and to bring them into a closer relationship with you, God, where the things of this world pass away and the heavenly things, the things that are to come, God, floods our hearts, floods our souls, God, that serving you would become easy, God, and serving you, O oh God, would become a joy in our lives, O oh Lord. We bless you. We magnify you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you do. I bless you and I magnify you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the powerful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God, let the gifts of the Spirit be in operation. God, let the fruit of the Spirit be in operation. God, every time we walk through the doorways of this church, God, let us enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. God, help us to render unto you, God, what is worthy of you, our best effort, God, of what's worthy of your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know this is a lot of information, and I know this can be overwhelming, but if you could just take this and utilize this, just like this picture, you'll have the fire of God working in you. You'll still have issues and situations, but this will help you to be able to conquer it and to be able to face it. In Jesus' name. He told me to tell you you're dismissed in Jesus' name.